Hello and welcome to Newspeak, the new Culture Forum's look at the week's news. I'm joined as usual by our senior fellows, Rafe Hadelman Koo, historian and royal broadcaster, and Dr. Philip Kisley from Leeds University. Welcome, as usual, gentlemen. Uh, obviously, we were going to reminisce a little bit about last week's event of the coronation. Um, but what we wanted to concentrate on this week was uh, the various attacks or otherwise, depending on how you see it, on free speech. Mm. At last week's coronation, of course, they've made a lot of hay out of this as well. Uh, the Republican group, uh, well, six of them were arrested preemptively, and there's been quite a considerable controversy about whether this should have happened, and the police have indeed uh, apologized to them. Similarly, there is a, an utterly insidious bill coming down the line uh, in Ireland, a hate speech bill, which puts all other hate speech bills in the shade, mm -hmm. it seems to us. Um, and of course, we've also had a, a new free speech czar appointed, that's Professor Arif Ahmed in Cambridge this week. So it's very, very much uh, in the news at the moment. Um, first of all, well, look, I'll ask you, should the anti-monarchist demonstrations demonstrators at the coronation should they have been arrested beforehand Philip? it depends what the context is what we know that they might be capable of i think that that's a key right. thing and it, and, and it depends what their previous is i think and the guy who was arrested and who was who was screaming was was very much a public nuisance is it a public nuisance in that context are they going to spook the horses are, are they going to um just be a, a, a complete nuisance to everybody else i would say yes now i i really hesitate saying this because mm. i'm i'm you know I, I hate any of that draconian yeah uh shutting down of freedom of expression and, and freedom of protest but in this particular instance i think it was sensible that he and they were removed do you agree with that way no actually i don't think they should have been arrested and, and i think it was quite embarrassing for the police uh i'm a free speech champion and as long as everything is done peacefully and non-disruptively then i think it should have proceeded things like just stop oil i think there would have been real justification mm. for arresting them because their intent had been to release rape alarms right. designed to yeah. shock the horses, yeah. which could have actually have resulted in death. So quite clearly in that situation, mm. if you're forearmed with that knowledge that they have rape alarms. Well, that's them, actually, that's what I was exactly. talking about. It wasn't right. just the other yeah. guy. It was, it was that mm. idea that if it's going to, if it's going to absolutely, absolutely disrupt, sure. it's one thing, whereas protest is a completely different thing. But they did they have intelligence about... Well, look, I've been debating members of Republic for over 20 years. We're, hardly firm friends, but I, I will defend them on this position because, uh, in fact, I was debating with Graham Smith, the head of Republic, who got arrested, and I must confess to a little bit of schadenfreude when I heard that after months of planning, he ended up being in jail for 16 hours and not able to actually uh, protest at the coronation. So I did enjoy that personally, but I think on a, on a fundamental level, I think, I think it was absolutely wrong, given what we know of the facts of the time. Their Republic are an experienced group of protesters. Mm. They're not equivalent to Just a Oil or Extinction mm. Rebellion. They had been in four months of negotiations with the police. Mm. And it seems from what I understand of the, of the event, there was confusion by the police on the ground who didn't know there had been four months mm. of consultation. And they had seen um, Republic with straps, which they thought could be being used to tie themselves to lamppost mm. and railings. Mm 
which would have made them fall foul of the new public which order is, offence Which is a bill. central part of the new of the new public order offence. But those straps it? actually, it seems, were being yeah. used to simply hold together the placards that they were oh. going to be holding up. Um, and so it was a question of inexperienced police, I think, oh. jumping the gun. Uh, but you can't blame them, but I think the 16 hours in prison is oh. quite a long time for, for this. So I, I defend the right to protest, and actually I want them to be seen protesting because republicanism is the greatest political failure of modern <coughs> times. Yeah. And if you want to expose the fact of how peripheral they are, mm. let them protest because you had mm. hundreds of thousands of people there mm. against a crew of what, a few hundred of, of these chaps. And that really, I think, shows how little support they have in the country. Yeah, but I, I think if, if you are gonna do these things, if you're gonna go to these great, great big events and you're gonna have all of this paraphernalia that can be misconstrued, the police can look at it and think it's something else, then you take the risk of being taken out of uh, out of the out of no. the context don't you so i, I think the, <laughs> the onus is on them you know it, it, i don't think in this instance it's it's really the fault of the police even though they got it wrong but it's the general hypocrisy of, of the whole movement you know these are the people uh, especially just stop oil um, and the pride crew and all of those all of those people they're shouting for everybody to be closed down the the, the anti-vaxxers uh, you know everybody mm -hmm. telling telling that you know they're not allowed to protest they're not allowed to do anything the minute it comes back to them you know they are the biggest free speech champions in the world it's just the gross hypocrisy that really mm. gets me there was also just another thing as well that the police might have taken taken on board this kind of more extreme anti-monarchist group mm. the uh, the times highlighted mm. and these were kind of general what you might would call kind of malcontent sort of student type who would basically lock on to any protest group but they're kind of a little bit more uh, uh, unreasoning. Um, Republic are the best known Republican group, aren't they? They've grown a bit because of this. Mm. It's been wonderful for them. I mean, they were they were yeah. on the headline headline interview on the Today program. Mm. You know. Yeah, I think I think if for those people who were saying, "Oh, this is great to see them locked up," I think it's backfired because mm. there's nothing. There's no such. News as you know, mm. good news or bad news is, is publicity, whichever mm. way you look at it. And they've had a huge amount of publicity, and of course, they're now being seen as the victims mm. here through all of this. And so, I'm, I'm sure that it's done great, great job for their donations and for their numbers. I, mm. I, I mean, I don't think it's about individual groups, or I don't think it's mm. about particular issues. I think it's about a trend in protest, and and that trend is, as I've said before, it's about this idea of performativity and and it getting more extreme and more disruptive it isn't just about making a point it's about intervening and changing a situation and if that is violent or potentially violent the guy who who was arrested and taken away uh, was I think his Twitter handle was you know man who throws eggs at the king or something like that you know is is violent and he had he had, he had previous for violence yeah. so I think I think those well, people yeah. and that kind of protest which is where this stuff is going and it will get more and more extreme in the next few years that kind of protest which isn't protest in my opinion it's disruption and public nuisance I think that should be taken out well and all I was thinking at the time was how wonderful to see the police finally being so, so gung-ho yeah. mm. why weren't they so quick to act when we had <laughs> we've had months rebellion. years of extinction yeah. rebellion yeah. and mm. just of oil mm. um, the legislation has been you know you don't just 
you don't need to use only yeah. this new pr protest bill. People have lots of legislation at their hands that they can use to stop people causing a nuisance mm. and, and blocking the highway. Mm. And why the police have suddenly found this current conviction now. <coughs> I'd like to see what happens actually in the future with Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion. I suppose, I suppose well, and of course, sorry to interrupt you, Pete, we're, we're coming into the, you know, the, the portion of the year that is completely and totally dedicated to pride, aren't we? So we'll see, mm. we'll see the police uh, again in high heels and, and, and wearing flags and, and being part of the community. It's difficult for them to move from that persona into an actual law enforcement persona and that's mm. the problem they've got they're, ne they're neither one nor the other at the moment and we, when we when we see them doing the kinds of thing that they, they've just done they do it in a cack-handed way because they're not used to doing it you know and then they've got they've got to return to being nice and wearing high heels and makeup again this is I think I said this on the, on the last show that it you know I sort of see why they would demonstrate Right at the coronation, it would be really kind of spoil sport to do it at a royal wedding, say, mm. or even at a jubilee or something like that. But let's face it; I mean, it, that is their very the nub of their issue, isn't mm. it? It's the coronation, a hereditary principle mm. that's happening. So you can see why they should. Yeah, I but they do they do do it at weddings and jubilees yes, as well. Yeah, but not, not at the funeral, not in, I think. But not at uh, the funeral. But I mean, they always realised there was no mileage really in mm. doing anything against the queen. Mm. But this was sort of a I sort of felt. I'm, I just thought, oh, why did you have, why do you have to, I don't want the world, you know, in a way, seeing, mm. you know, what was it, a sea of yellow, we always knew it was, wasn't going to be a sea of yellow, because they've got these yellow t-shirts, you know, and banners and everything, but as you say, it's probably done uh, them a lot of good. Before we move on, to what is the actual, you, you've just mentioned, alluded to it there, Philip, what's the actual nub of this new public order act, which actually I think is literally just on the statute? It's just, caused a lot of people uh, real anger there, there are various new uh, anti-protest measures in it aren't well, I, th I think the, the specifics are things like you're not allowed to lock yourself onto something which is one right. thing you're not allowed to block the road you're not allowed to stop people going about their business yeah. you're not allowed to be a public nuisance I think I think that's the that's the nub of it and and what we sort of we just talked about what we saw in the past were the police standing by where people were desperate to get to work or desperate to get to hospital and these people are these people are blocking the highway so in that sense i think it's really good and and i suppose in a way it comes back to what i was saying before i don't think it's about india I, I understand completely what you're saying about republicans uh, Rafe, but I don't think it's about individual lobby groups at all. I think it's I about this. Are, are, are they going to disrupt mm. something in a way that's an intervention that's going to change mm. what it's supposed to be? And with the coronation, you can't allow them to do that. I mean, the, the, so, so the, the, the Act uh, gives a six-month maximum penalty for those who are mm. obstructing the highway or mm. stopping people going about their business, also stopping access to airports, railway stations sort of and so forth but as I said you've already got legislation yeah. and the question is why the police needed to have this yeah. additional mm. stuff mm. now the police's argument has, has been recently which I've been reading up on is that unlike in Europe where the police forces in Europe are paramilitary organizations mm -hmm. here we have policing by consent yeah. these are citizens in uniform rather than paramilitary forces and they say that that's why there's such a distinction between how protesters are handled in Germany or Austria or France compared to how they're, they're held here. 
uh, where for, you know in Germany they basically get a drill and and remove the tarmac from your hand and just cart you off in in seconds. <laughs> Whereas here we're having a cup of tea and a blanket and a fig newton while they're trying to you know, yeah. debond your hand and so forth. Uh, and the police in France, for example, can clear a highway in less than half an hour. Mm. Here it will take well over an hour, mm. by which point you have a five-mile backup mm. of things. Mm. But the, the whole argument that we, we only have policing by consent, we therefore can't be more strict. I'm sorry, but I'm old enough to remember the miners' strike. Yeah. Right? I remember police on horseback, yeah. and I remember the tear gas and batons being used. Mm. And to think that those policemen in the 80s would be treating protesters today mm. the way that we see, I don't buy at all. There's a bit of cultural shift in the, in, in, in the police force. Well, um, it's the police service. In yeah, police exactly. Force. And, yeah. That's, and that's the root of it. It's, yeah. If the police wanted to move them on, they know the tactics and they know how to act within the law. Yeah. Whether the Human Rights Act, if the, humans, if the Human Rights Act had been in place in the early 80s, I don't know whether the miners, maybe that would have had, had an impact on mm. the miners' strike. I don't know. One thing that actually, uh, where the police are really hot these days, is on the enforcement of hate crime mm. right? or hate crime incidents. Despite the ruling and Harry Miller is still going on. Mm. Mm. Um, with that in mind, you, I've seen it seems to be slipping under the general kind of uh, uh, media coverage at the moment. There have been some articles about this new Irish bill on hate crime, mm. which basically is like even worse than the one that is in Scotland. Uh, this basically, from what I can see, uh, revolves around you actually just possessing yeah. on your yeah. phone, for example, yeah. hateful material. Um, it's, not, it's not hate crime, is it? It's thought crime. Mm. Um, and I think that's what's incredibly chilling. I think it was one of the most depressing uh, stories I've read for a long time um, when I read this because this is about intent isn't it it's not about action it's about the possibility of action and if you've got a set of images on your phone or you've got some text on your phone that is in dra Diane Abbott approved draft form mm. then you can be you know you can be done for it by the police mm. yeah when I, when I was at law school the key thing we taught we were taught about criminal law was the whole concept of mens rea right mm. you had to have the intent to mm. do something and that does away with the whole the whole thing. This is so insidious. I mean, this is the stuff of dystopian nightmares. Mm -hmm. You can almost see this being part of a plot to some sort of futuristic, I don't know, Mad Max film or something, mm -hmm. you know, of the future. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, it, 1984 took a few years to come in, but it's actually 2023, yeah. not 1984. Because it's not just having a, a draft letter of Diane Abbott. If someone sends you a WhatsApp message, yeah. With a uh, and you're in with possession a, of it with a joke that is deemed hateful. Mm. Now, who determines what? what who, who is the person who says that this is hateful or not? That hasn't mm. been clarified as far as I'm aware. But yes, just by possessing something that you're sent inadvertently, mm. even to a wrong number, let alone mm. by one of your friends, you are then guilty for possess, for possessing yeah. that that piece of information. Guilty and of, of hate. Guilty of guilty of a hate crime. Mm. And let's make no mistake about this. That also includes, for example, say a, a Jewish historian who has a library with hundreds of books on the Second World War, yeah. if he's got a copy of Mein Kampf, yeah. that will now technically be illegal. Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. A Jewish historian would be arrested for having a copy, or even memes, right? Yeah. So memes are, are our version of the Gilray satirical cartoons of the, of the 18th century, right? Mm -hmm. Where we, we poke fun at everybody who's in a position of <coughs> privilege. Now just having memes, you know, sent to you via Twitter or WhatsApp mm. or whatever, those now are, can be deemed hateful. The stuff the, that we currently share the, quite happily and openly on and, Twitter. And the focus very much is on gender and religion. 
isn't it? And I think that's 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 the impetus of the whole thing. So and race presumably. Uh, race presumably, but but I think it's gender and religion are the key things in Ireland. And and the the idea that uh, gender is is front and centre of this for for those of us who don't believe in the concept of gender in this particular way mm. is just revolting. Mm. And of course, the irony that this should come from Ireland, yeah. which is so rapidly. Um, uh, cut its ties to the mm. Catholic Church mm. and now actually is quite openly hostile to Catholicism mm. in so many ways and yet in order to protect a certain religion let's say this is more about Islam than anything else mm. it's reintroducing blasphemy laws <laughs> through this bill I mean it's quite a remarkable mm. situation yeah. yes. and, and it's the transing of everything yeah. yes it's not it, it, it seems to me that we, you know we're, t we're talking about the trans race it will be certain views I mean I see for example having um, serious concerns about the levels of migration, for mm. example, will surely become a hateful thing. Mm. You say, when you talk about hateful material, does that include things you might say? I mean, in which case, what a lot of things we say on this program could be considered yes. hateful. Well, if you tweet, mm. if, you, if you send someone a text message containing your, your thoughts, mm. that, I mean, in fact, one Labour Socialist M uh, member of the, of the Irish Parliament has admitted the fact that this amounts to the criminalization of thought. Mm. This is scary stuff. And for those who think, oh, well, it's just Ireland. Look, we also have something very similar in Scotland, whereby the old concept of your home being your castle is now, mm. is now, is now completely eradicated. I would not be surprised at all if we see the same thing in Ireland coming here under a Labour government. So yes. in the next five to 10 years, I'm sorry, but I think we will have thought crimes in this country. Yeah, and they 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 will be historicised as well. This is the thing. I think we were talking about this a while well, back. We mean we? retrospectively. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be you know they'll we'll, they'll be looking into 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 it'll be a kind of archaeology, won't it, of mm. looking into what people have said and what people have done and what people have published, and will be held responsible for those things in years to come. This is a revolution against the majority, isn't it? By the minority. It's a reverse revolution. This all of this is happening. It is an attack on mm. the majority mm. by a minority. Well, it's not the other way around. No, no. This is what's been happening over the last decade and a half, even two decades or so. And I've, I, I've got a name for it. It's the tyranny of the minority. It's it's mm. it, it, it's the minority take over the inst institutions. They take over the universities, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute. They take over the media, and it's this narrative that everybody has to buy into, and and much of it is a fantasy narrative. But that fantasy is seen as uh, sophisticated and caring and empathetic and if you don't buy into all of those kinds of things then you are literally wicked and evil. Do, what do you take, I mean, my, my, my view about this has always been okay we've got trans, we've got the, the gender argument and the trans argument but basically when you're talking about free speech and the problems surrounding free speech nine times out of ten it comes down to the effects of multiculturalism i.e. that the only way it can ever really work is if you do curtail speech, right? And if you curtail criticism of certain other issues or mm. what one religion or what one ethnic group might do. It oh. seems to me that there can't be any, you know, coincidence that as immigration has hugely expanded, so is this expanding. Mm. It's almost enforcing people to accept the situation and get on with it. I would say that uh, it's more to do with the shifting culture and, ideo and and the arrival of new ideologies and I, I only say that because 
Um, Canada, for example, was far more multicultural than we were until very recently. So Britain's only become extremely yeah. multicultural recently. And in Canada, now, is, now of course, it's the capital of woke. But it took a long time to get there. And I know full well in America and Canada, which have very multicultural populations, they had a lot more free speech around these sorts of mm. things. It's only been in the last 10, 15 years that we've seen this uh, curtailment of the right to criticize or make fun, even innocent fun of different groups and so forth. So I think it's, I think, yeah, I think multiculturalism is, well, this is the Gramscian thing. Minorities are being used by those with mm. power to mm. advance an agenda. Britain didn't have the multicultural population before. So couldn't use it. Now it's got it and it's using it. But I think certainly there are precedents for multicultural societies existing where actually free speech wasn't an issue. Because you know when people say they do all the time, I mean, all the time, oh, you just can't say what you want to say anymore, right? Mm. Generally speaking, I'm, this, I don't have data for this, but it's my hunch. that On the whole, it's not about trans. Mm. That tends to exercise people like us a little bit more. Mm. It's usually around migration and racial issues. Mm. It's usually around that because that's where they feel so utterly powerless and where they always say, we can't say what we can't say anymore what we really think. In other words, they've still got a sense of we. Mm. Right? They've got a sense of we. Something has been done to them over which they've had zero control. Yeah. And they're being told to shut up about it. Yeah. I think that's what people, most people feel incredibly upset about. It's the speed, we've talked about this before though, it's the speed of the change. It's the, it's the sheer numbers. You were talking on GB News the other day, you were talking about 600,000? 675, that's, a, that's what's uh, the estimate for for uh, this year. It's you know, staggering. Kind of, yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, the, it's, it's the speed, it's the sheer scale, and it's the fact that we live in this tiny little country um, where we're all crammed in, uh, living cheek by jowl. If anybody lives in, in cities all around the country, we, we live in cheek by jowl, and, mm. you, and you can feel the, the tension there, you know? And if, you look, at, and if, you, look at, if you look at GB News and YouTube channels and so forth, trans issues are discussed every day right mm. so there's a lot of this discussion of trans issues and i don't think really there's that much yes academics can be cancelled but gen generally people are feeling quite free to see what say what they want to uh but it's race mm. and islam that are the two no-go areas that's why you have people like ricky gervais mm. who's, who's held up as being one of the great champions of free speech nowhere in his comedy does yeah. he ever touch on race or on islam despite mm. having a go at the trans community mm. or the trans lobby i should say a lot all the time Dave Chappelle, the same thing. All of these brave comedians yeah. aren't that brave because they don't actually touch on mm. the two most significant issues of all. Well, where there would be real consequences. Because they know full well. You know. That is the no-go zone. What's funny is if you compare comedy, say, from the 1970s mm. to today, in the 70s, the taboo was sex. Yeah. So everything was double entendre, but you would come out and you would have overtly racist mm. jokes said by, by comedians, by mainstream comedians. Uh, that's completely changed now. Now, when it comes to sex, you're given the most graphic, appalling details of people's sex lives and their jokes and so forth, but you mustn't touch anything to do with, with race. Yeah, as, as we know with the Pulitzer Prize winner, who's, who is, who's, who's whole, Pul Pulitzer Prize winner, whose whole raison d'etre is uh, his addiction to pornography. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it is utterly terrifying. Mm. I still can't quite believe that these things are happening in Western European democracies. It's extraordinary to me. Uh, but we should certainly keep an, an eye on that one as it goes through, mm. however long it might take. Um, before we sign off, 
uh, can't really leave this week without asking you fellas what you thought of the coronation because it's the first time we've met since. Um, obviously, if you were doing stuff every day on TV mm. news and other places, weren't you? Um, I took to the country to, you know, have a rural celebration, which was lovely. But what was your overall impression? Of what was your I thought it was a, I thought it was a triumph. I thought I thought it was a tour de force. I had admit to being one of the critics who mm. had been um, annoyed and frustrated by the decision to abandon certain traditions. I don't naturally like modifications and modernizations of ceremonies, <clears throat> but actually, I, I thought it was—I thought it went really well. If I can put it this way, as I, I said uh, just the other day, it was a 21st century medieval ceremony. Mm -hmm. That makes sort of sense to you. Mm -hmm. It kept to its core traditions. It was fundamentally Christian at its heart, Protestant, um, uh, and with the up with the important constitutional provisions of making the oath to, to uphold the Church of England, the king still being supreme governor of the Church of England. Uh, but it reflected the realities of modern Britain. Now, I've al I always favoured what Sir Roy Strong had, had, had argued for, that the coronation shouldn't change at all, and that after the coronation you could reuse Westminster Hall, where traditionally the banquet had taken place in the old days, and that could have been a, a place for a more multi-faith, multicultural reference, rather than in including it in the coronation service. But anyway, as it was, I thought it worked very well. Mm. Well, as I said last week, uh, on the run-up, to, to the coronation. I just wasn't engaged or particularly interested, I have to say, um, until the Saturday. And um, I, I, I was completely enthralled by the, by the footage. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was moving. I was, I was, I was moved in a way that I didn't think I would be. Um, I was quite moved by the, the sight of the king actually being quite frail as well, and 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 that that fed into it for me. Uh, mm. And I thought Camilla was wonderful. Um, I thought there was a little bit of comedy around uh, around Harry and uh, Princess Anne's hat, her feather, which was superb, which added to the occasion for me massively. Uh, but generally, generally speaking, the the actual footage I watched it on television. The actual footage of um, of the event was was stunning. The the commentary on um, the, the the terrestrial channels, BBC and ITV, was just appalling. Really, I I, I wasn't really actually there was a, there was quite a, quite long sections of it where there wasn't much commentary at all, which mm. was quite which was good, good. which yeah. was quite was quite good. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, I sort of agree. It seemed to me a particularly <laughs> British, if one can still say that, uh, genius in that what they had done with that service. Mm. to cut it in half mm. basically but mm. somehow managed to contrive to make it seem like it hadn't been cut at all mm. but it's such a rich ceremony yeah. that you can actually slice off great portions and it still doesn't lose its its power mm. yes. and, it, and, it, and its majesty uh, what really struck me i mean you mentioned the king looking quite frail there this was a very different coronation the way it looked to 53 mm. just because of technology mm. back in 53 cameras were so primitive mm. they were far back they couldn't they mm. couldn't zoom in mm. and so the coronation looked like a hollywood epic you know one of those sort of mm. in cinemascope or panavision you know <laughs> everything was done on the grand mm. almost theatrical set 
Here we were coming in right close into the coronation chair and to the king with an intimacy that we haven't had before. And he did look vulnerable because, of course, he's having a huge weight put on his shoulders. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's important that the king is vulnerable at that moment yeah. as he realizes the enormity of what he's taking on. And there was a little bit too much. Occasionally, you know, we, you could see the prompt cards. You know, I could actually read some of the prompt cards. I was like, I don't want to see that. You know, I want, I just want, I want to be yeah. outside of that of that kind of intimacy, that kind of detail. Which which, which takes away no, no. from the um, fr fr yeah, from the from the grandeur spectacle and uh, you know and Prince distance Fli of the whole thing. Prince Philip uh, told a story once about how um, he actually went ahead and learned what he had to say, but then realised that because they had they had these cards next to you, so you can just turn and read. Mm. He didn't want to appear rude. <laughs> he read it anyway, <laughs> but he'd actually already learnt it. You know? I like one of the memes where. <laughs> King Charles looking at him and the, the meme said, I'll have the pie and cheese. Yes, exactly. No, there's one with Camilla saying that where, um, yes, I'll have soup of the day. But I thought it, all of it was remarkably sort of, it, when the crown went up and then down, it, I don't know, there was some real tribal memory, mm. a tribal mm. feeling mm. Yeah, that was evoked in, in me. And I found it sort of very, very uh, moving. And I thought, you know, there were just, these were wonderful. To, I mean, okay, everyone's been going on about Penny Mordaunt and everything, but it was quite a spectacular touch actually. Mm. Mm. There was this woman doing this for the first time, a woman doing it, somehow completely rising to the occasion, and it, even in, you know, she looked all spectacular. Lady of the Lake, she did look fabulous, but. Uh, doesn't just because she, she be looked fabulous, minister, she no. shouldn't become prime no, minister. That's the funny thing. People say, I want her yeah. to be prime minister, but that shows you the sort yeah. of society. Well, it was ever thus, I suppose. Yeah. For me, the great moment, for, I mean, one of my favourite pieces of music of all time, I'd love it to be at my funeral, but it's called I Was Glad. I'm not sure that that's quite the right <laughs> yeah, no, no. phrasing for my funeral. Yeah. But when Parry's arrangement of Psalm 122, when the king and queen first enter the abbey, yes. Yeah. And then the, the it used to be the boys of Westminster College, but it's the the, the, the choir now of uh, mm. of of Westminster scholars sing the vivats. Yeah. And we remember that vivat Elizabetha, yeah. so wonderful, yeah. fifty three. Yeah, yeah. And I was so curious as to how it would sound with Rex Carolus and Camilla Glorious. And I can't, I don't mind admitting, I had a couple of tears in my eye at that mm. moment with that majestic scene. And then again with the anointing, yeah. when the king is shielded from our gaze, still recognizing the solemnity. People thought maybe this will be televised. No. The deeply sacramental nature yeah. of the coronation was preserved intact with that wonderful Zadok the priest by, by, um, by Handel. And suddenly you also realize how many great pieces of music yeah. we've given to world civilization yeah. through our coronations, yeah. you know, Walton, yeah. Elgar's pomp and circumstance, you know, mm. Crown Imperial, all the sort of stuff that was done just for our coronation. And there's wonderful new pieces, I have to say. Yeah. Another great yes. thing about these British state events is the creative arts are really involved. And there were some the, beautiful pieces I mean, done. This is one of the things that I, I, it's one of the things that I found really moving. It's not just about uh, monarchy. It's not just about royalty. It's actually about culture, isn't it? And that mm. that sense of what what we give to the world is is incredibly moving. Well, it's sort of tran transcendental, baby. Mm. You know, isn't it really? Mm. In in its real true sense, you know, mm. the, the, what you're talking about—that kind of music—should mm. be transcendental. Mm. Very beautiful. Um, you know, I was going to end just simply saying, you know, there are a few sour notes. You know that actress on ITV saying about being a terribly mm. white family and all of that. But I won't mention that, actually, because <laughs> it's just, you know, whitey for the publicity. Anyway, um, thank you very much, Philip. Thank you very much, Dean Rave. And uh, we shall see you next 
time on Newspeak. Okay, take care. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.